The following sermon is from Evangel Temple Youth Ministries. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit etchurch.org forward slash youth. What an amazing paradox that is. That's probably actually one of the greatest, if not the greatest, paradoxes that there are. I mean, you think about it, the, the lion and the lamb. The lion, right, that, that just symbolizes power, and it's shown through the lamb. And the lamb, the most precious thing, is the most powerful thing, the lion. How amazing. Our God is so much more powerful than anything that we could ever face, and he's demonstrated it most perfectly through being the most precious thing to us. How, how neat is that? That is just that. I just listen to that. that is just such a cool thing, and I don't think we should just be singing the lion and the lamb, our God. Yeah, like, it's amazing. It's a truth. It's a biblical truth that don't, don't catch yourself just, just saying that and singing the words and really loving the beat, you know, tapping your foot just because it sounds like that is a really true biblical truth that should shape. I don't know your story, where you're at, your belief in God, but that should, if you profess the name of Jesus, that truth that you're singing right there should define not just be something that influences, but define your life. And I just think that's just so amazing that we can't miss. And so, guys, thank you so much for singing that biblical truth and just uh, celebrating that uh, with us, the victory of God over everything that we could ever face. It's amazing. Um, so I'm going to jump into uh, the uh, sermon tonight. I'm really excited about it. I don't know if you guys uh, have completely forgot what my voice sounds like. It's been so long since I've preached. been over a month. Can you believe that? It's been over a month since I preached uh, here. And so I'm really excited to be back, uh, getting in the marriage swing of everything, you know, getting used to all that. But kicking off a series, Elements of Worship. It's up there. Uh, you got some banners here. Sunday School, we started last week on this discussion series about personal worship. Worshiping God in our personal time, not just in your devotional time for this little you know, 10 minute window of the day, but throughout your entire day, how you're acting, how you're living, the way that you interact, how you're speaking to God throughout the day. This is your personal worship. We're talking about that in Sunday school. I want to walk right alongside Sunday school talking about your personal worship and on Wednesday nights, talk about our corporate worship, worship together, getting together as the church and worshiping God. It's different, different dynamic, um, different, biblically reading the Bible about what it looks like, it's different. And so I want to talk about both your personal worship, but I want to talk tonight about, um, in the next three weeks after tonight, about corporate worship, worshiping God with fellow believers. And so um, these banners are staying up for a good while. Uh, because these are the four elements that really, I think, define ETYM. If you look at what elements, why, why do we gather, and when we gather, why do we do what we do? These are some questions that we're asking. And, and really, these four elements, the sermon, that's first and foremost, hearing the word of God preached. That's what I'm going to talk about tonight. And, and why is that first? Why is that foundational? And then we have prayer, praying with one another. It's, it's corporate. You can see each one of these pictures has multiple people in the little emblem at the bottom. That's intentional. It's not just one person. It's multiple people. We do it together. Song, we sing the truths of the Bible together. We, again, pray according to the truths of the Bible. We sing according to the truths of the Bible. And then we discuss 
about scripture, about how it's working in our lives. All these things are found, founded in, and based upon the truths of scripture. And so we're going to be talking the next couple weeks about corporate worship. And so um, each week I started writing down really just like this intro about elements of worship, this sermon series, why I'm even talking about um, the elements of our worship setting, worship services. And I just started jotting off a million, like, this is why, this is, this is important, this is why it's important, this is why it's important. And I was just going on, and I was like, man, my whole sermon's going to be just about the sermon series and not the particular sermon. And so um, I had to cut it down. And so I'm actually going to share one reason why I think corporate worship is essential for living as a Christian. If you call yourself a Christian, I am telling you, it is essential to be a part of the body of Christ, regularly gathering, to get, gathering together. And so I'm going to share every week, the next four weeks, just um, why I think that's true in a different way. And so tonight, um, I think it's only, only right to start off with because it's a biblical mandate, because Scripture says we ought to do it. You read Hebrews 10, uh, 25, and he says, do not forget or, or don't, don't reject the gathering together. I think every single one of you have a call on your life to do something. God has not forgot about any of you about what you're supposed to do, what you're called to do. Maybe it's not being a pastor up here. Maybe it's, maybe it's doing whatever it is. And it's not just a vocation. I also want to make that point. It's not just what you're going to do, but who you're going to be. It's very important. Your call is to live out the gospel in your life. And I'm telling you, you cannot do that at the best of your abilities if you're not a part of the local church. I'm just saying, and people are like, well, that's pretty bold. That's a pretty blanketed, bold statement. Wait, to be completely honest, I don't think pastors do that enough. And some pastors just don't do it at all. And I think it needs to happen more that we are boldly proclaiming the truths of what scriptures say. And scriptures say that we need to be a part of the local church. We need to be a part of worshiping with one another. We should not. I think it's, so, it's this movement that's going right now that people think that it's so important that I can, I can just have a relationship with God, but I don't have to go to church. I can go and have a relationship with God in my living room or, you know, do a, do a small devotional in my bed and then call it good. I don't need to do it with community. Anyone ever heard that? I, I'm against uh, organized religion, this whole idea, and I'm telling you, the Bible mandates that if you want to live out God's call on your life, if you want to do what God has called you to do and do it to your utmost excellence, the best you can, you cannot and you will fail if you aren't a part of the church. We are the church, not just going to church, that's part of it. I think that's so important to be going to church, regularly going to church and being a part of this worship setting, but we also are the church missionally. And, and so be a part of the church. Part of that is being here, being in services, discussing with people, praying with people, singing with people what we base our lives on and hearing the word of God proclaimed to us. This is a biblical mandate. And so that's, that's the, my first reason because it's, the Bible calls us to, and I'll, I'll give other reasons in the future, um, but in a couple weeks. But tonight I want to talk about preaching. I want to talk about preaching and receiving the preaching. I, I was planning this months ago with, uh, with Sarah and some other leaders, and, and we were like, well, you know, is this, this, this we, we can't make this just a sermon for uh, preachers. Like, they're, they're not all just here that are, ser they're not all just uh, going to be pastors when they, when they grow up. So how is this going to apply to them? We're talking about preaching. Don't zone out because you're like, oh, I'm not going to be a pastor, so this has nothing to do with me. No, I think it has everything to do with you. And so do not zone out that 
The importance of preaching applies to every single one of you in a profound and true way. And so we're going to talk about that tonight. But first, would you guys just bow your heads with me? Lord, I come to you tonight, and I thank you, Lord, for already moving in this place. Lord, I worship you, and I give all that I am to you, and I just pray right now in the next few moments, Lord, that you would cleanse me of any desire to elevate myself as I say these words. I think it's so easy for us to try to look like the best Christian we are, the most knowledgeable Christian, every single one of us. It's such an, an innate desire to be, to, to look a certain way to people. And Lord, I just pray for me that you would just wipe that away from me. May you be the one speaking to the souls of individuals and may I just simply be a vessel, an undeserving vessel in which it will happen, Lord. Lord, I worship you and may you be glorified and only you. It's your name we pray, amen. So what is preaching? I want to jump into it just talking about the idea of preaching first. And, and preaching is communicating the infallible, the, the inerrant scripture of God, the, the word that he has given us right here, that he has spoken to us, that is flawless, without error, and it is communicating that to his people and the world at large. It is communicating the gospel through that. It is God, God, God has appointed preaching as the means of communicating to human beings since the beginning of time. That is the way that he has ordained. That is the way to communicate to his people. You look at the Old Testament, there's prophets all over where, where God speaks to them. They speak to the people, and they are the spokesmen in which they receive the wisdom of God and the direction of God. They are preaching to the people, prophesying, giving them direction. But it's based on Scripture. I think it's really uh, common right now that I think we should all fend off and run away from is uh, the confusion between preaching and motivational speaking. I have sat through so many sermons that are, you need to smile more because it just makes you happier. You're, you can trick your brain into thinking you're, that is not the word of God. I'm telling you, that will not work. Smiling enough to trick your brain into thinking that you have happiness is not going to be sufficient whenever you go through trials. You need the word of God. You need to know that there's a loving God that is greater than your issues and anything you'll ever face. You need Jesus Christ to be your comforter and the lamb and the, the lion that is gr greater, more powerful than anything. That's what you need. It's not some motivational speech. And that, with that, it means that it isn't always just the chipper, be really happy, like, you know, it's totally good. Because that's part of it. That's part of it. We talk about the love and the grace of God, that he would love people like us, and that is a huge part of it. But that is not all of it. That is not all of it. That is not always just what preaching is. It's not just some motivational, upbeat You'll get through this thing. It is God speaking, and whatever he says is what should be said. If it's not in here, it shouldn't be said up here. You read Luke 24. Jesus uh, is just resurrected. He's, he's going out, and he's speaking to people, and he goes on the road uh, to Emmaus with two disciples. Maybe some of you guys know this story, and you can't miss it. He goes, and he starts talking to them, and what's he say? He begins preaching to them. 
How does he start off the, 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 the mini sermon, whatever you want to call it? It actually was probably a long walk, so uh, it was a long time talking to him. But it says that he opened up the scriptures, and he said, you fools, you fools. And then he goes on telling them from Moses on just what God has done to his people. That's how he starts. It's not just some like, you're totally fine. I just want to encourage you today. It is you fools, because that's what they needed. And you might think, well, you're going to have people walk out of this church, and they're never going to come back because of that. But whenever Jesus walks away and he leaves, it says that their hearts were burning. They actually turned to one another, and they said, is your heart burning from what he had just said to us? He convicted. And so I think the word of God, it, it, it encourages. I mean, how amazing is it that such a loving God would love us? And he would never leave us. And he promises to be greater than our issues. How encouraging is that? You should be encouraged by that. You should, you should jump up in thanksgiving that that is true. But that is not it. The word of God also convicts. And it challenges. And when it stirs up a pit in your stomach about how wretched of a sinner we are that I'm going through this secret sin that no one else knows about and I, can, I feel convicted that God is working in me. That is the word of God preached to us. And I think this much is a responsibility for every single one of us sitting here to preach, to preach. Not just to hear, not just to know, not just to work on in your own life, but to preach. We are all called to be preachers. Maybe not pastors, but preachers. We are all called to be preachers. Mark 1, uh, verse, I think, 38. Jesus says, I came, let's go to the, let's go to the, uh, the towns so that I may, what, preach. For this is why I have come. He could have come for so many things. He could have come to die. All, he came to preach the good news that he's dying for our sins. That is why he has come. And then just two chapters later, Mark chapter 3, he says, I have now appointed you to be my disciples. Why does he say? So that you may go out and preach. Every single one of you who are, call yourselves a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are called to preach the word of God. And if you aren't, you are missing out on your calling from God. I was texting a, a friend of mine last night. He's not saved. Um, and so I texted him, hey, man, just thinking about you. I miss you. I hope you're doing okay. I don't know what's going on in your life, but just, just want to tell you I'm thinking about you. That could have been all. It was like, cool. Talk to you later, man. I'll text you in a couple months. But I don't think that's what we're called to. I think we're called to preach the word of God. And that doesn't mean getting up in their face. You need to repent. You need to. It means that we communicate the gospel to these individuals. And so, and so it could have been, more comfortably it would have been, just to stop and say, yeah, man, see you later. And then I can go on with the rest of my night. But I texted him, you know, man, I, 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 I can't just say I'll see you later yet. I, I actually, I don't know if you are starting to believe in God or not. So I don't know if this will mean anything to you at all. But I, I just want to tell you, I'm praying for you. I, I regularly, I'm, I, I lift you up in prayer. I really do, man. I, I, I'm praying for you, and I just want God to work in your life. And, and so I don't know if you believe in God, and so th therefore I don't know if you believe in the power of prayer. So maybe this means nothing to you, and you're like, okay, yeah, whatever. But 
I want to tell you that I believe that prayer is the most powerful thing that we can do whenever we believe that we're talking to the creator of everything and the one that, that, that is greater than anything else that we could ever face. When you're speaking to that one, prayer means everything, right? When you're bringing a request to the one that created it in the first place that can stop the sun from moving, when I know that's who I'm talking to, prayer is the most powerful thing I could ever do. And so I said, man, I... I I really do believe that, and so I just want to tell you, man, I'm praying for you, and, and uh, he said, man, that's really great, you know, I really appreciate that, uh, but, you know, actually, with how I'm living, God's not too happy with me right now, so actually, I don't think he'll probably listen to you about it, but, man, I appreciate it, you know, thanks for the effort, <laughs> like, little did he know, he just opened up the door, swung the door open for me to just tell him about the gospel, I was like, my greatest day is still like filthy rags to God, I'm right there with you. And so if you're trying to impress God for you to be able to be in relationship with him, you're never gonna get there. You'll never be in relationship with God. The cool thing about me though, man, I, I believe, I believe that there's nothing I can do to impress God, so I stopped trying to do it to impress him. He came and died for me and to be in relationship with me graciously for nothing, no reason that he needed to at all, but because he wanted to. And so I stopped trying to impress him. And instead, I actually just want to worship in the best behavior that I can. And so we talked, but that, that was preaching to somebody. That's what we are all called to do. And if you miss out on that, you miss out on what God is calling you to do in the world around you. We are all called to be preachers. But I don't want to just stop there. That's not... That's not what I'm actually wanting to talk about. I get on these tangents. but um, So we're all called to preach to the lost, to be missional, right? To be outside the church, to be, to be outside this church building, and to be talking to people. But I want to talk about why, why then do people like us that are already saved, that already know the gospel, why do we need to be preached to? Not only do we need to be preachers, but why, if we already know the gospel, why do we need to receive the gospel? Fair question. Why are we sitting in this room all right now if we're already saved? We're going to heaven. If that's, if that's the goal, check it off your list. What are we doing here? Why do we need to be preached to, myself included? Why do we need to be preached to? That's what I want to talk about tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 4 is where we're going to be at. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Starting in verse 1, I just want to read the first four verses. This is Paul talking to a man that was called to be the pastor of a church, the church of Ephesus. You can read the, book, the letter that Paul wrote to this church, specifically the book of Ephesians, right? So this is a place called Ephesus. And, and Timothy was called to be the pastor of this church. This church was going crazy. They had some crazy theology going through here. They were messed up with the things that they were thinking. There was a lot of um, competing idolatry. And so Timothy was sent to go be a pastor there. And so this is Paul's letter to him. To give him instruction. This is how you pastor. This is how you, do, to, to feed the word of God to his people. And this is just four verses of this letter. He says at the very beginning, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. And I just want to stop there. That is... I think it's really easy for us just to kind of skim over texts and like, yeah, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by him appearing by his kingdom. And you just read through that. And that's it, right? Do we all do that? He says, I charge you in the presence of God 
and of Christ Jesus. This is a big deal. As God is watching us right now, as God is watching you, I charge you. Who is the judge in the, of the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from the listening of the truth and wander off into myths. I think this is absolutely crazy. He says, preach the word with God watching you, who's the one that's going to judge you when you die, by the way. He's going to judge you. He's watching you right now. You better preach the word, Timothy. It's a big deal to Paul that he preached the word. I remember the first time that I ever preached. Uh, it was a five-minute sermon, uh, sermonette, whatever you want to call it, short sermon for fine arts. First time I ever preached in my entire life. Uh, I wanted to do fine arts to test out preaching, but I had to preach, uh, you know, with the whole like um, uh, night of the arts, Sunday night, you go to your church, right? You preach to them before you head off to fine arts that next week. Uh, so my first sermon was in a uh, five-minute sermon. I still remember it. Um, Ezekiel 33, I, I did a weird little quote from We Bought a Zoo, and it was powerful. And no, not, not that quote, actually. That was not powerful at all. It was quite terrible. But anyway, I remember whenever I first preached that sermon, and uh, I think I just started dating Sarah somewhere in that time, and, um, and I was down in the youth group. We did Night of the Arts in the youth group, and, we, and so I, I preached to the youth that night, and so uh, I remember right before service started, I freaked out. I started like, I don't know if you call it, like, I don't know what the, the gauge is that you start figuring out, like, when does it become a panic attack? But I was like, I think I was borderline, like, really riding the edge of panic attack. I started freaking out. Um, I think I was crying. I don't know if you remember or not, but she was, yeah, she, yeah. It was pretty traumatical for both, traumatical. Pretty, pretty uh, traumatic for both of us. Uh, traumatical. So, <laughs> it was, I was, I was, and, I, and part of it, like, you know, was, did I prepare enough, stuff like that. Uh, it wasn't, I was, it wasn't stage fright. I, you know, I, I, I did announcements every single week. I was like the MC of youth every night uh, for like a year and a half, two years at this point. And so I wasn't scared of standing up in front of the youth. What it was, was I was preaching the word of God. I think part of it was, you know, I, I don't want to look dumb or things like that, but you're preaching the word of God. Preaching is a big deal. And Paul says, Timothy, I charge you. I can just see him like, preach the word, Timothy. Preach. You need to preach the word with God watching you. As God is your witness, he's coming to judge you regardless. You better preach the word. Why is it such a big deal that he preached? Paul answers in the next couple of verses. He says it's extremely important that you preach the word because the church needs to hear the word of God. Verse three, he says four. This is the reason why it's such a big deal that the church needs to hear the word of God. It's so important that the church hear the word. It's so important that Timothy preach the word. Four, verse three. 
The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. There is a time coming, he says, when, get this, when they will not endure sound teaching. They will not want, they're going to be so quick to turn away from biblical truths. And that is every single one of our hearts. If you don't think it's you, you're lying to yourself. It is every single one of our hearts desires to, to walk away from the gospel. It is our inclination. It is, our, it is what we are, our, 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 that's just our nature. It's to walk away from the truths of the gospel. He says there is a time coming when people will walk away, when they will not endure the truths of scripture. Martin Luther, a, a famous theologian and preacher, he says, Someone came to him and said, why do you preach the word? Why, why do you preach uh, uh, the gospel every week? Why can't you preach on this topic? Or, you know, why, why do you focus always on the gospel, Jesus Christ dying on the cross? And he said, I preach the gospel every week because it's every week that I forget the gospel. We need to be reminded every single week, right after we preach, we need to preach again. I, I go back and forth because both uh, the, the quote is also recorded as I preach the gospel to myself every day because it's every day that I forget the gospel. It's the same idea. We are so regularly forgetting the truths of the gospel because we walk away from it so naturally that we need to be reminded, always turn back to believing the truths of the gospel. He says they will not endure true believing or true uh, scripture, truths of the Bible, but instead they will accumulate teachers that say what they want to hear. Not only do we walk away from the gospel, not only do we walk away from the truths of the Bible, but instead we replace them with false ideas, lies to ourselves that we convince ourselves of. How many of you have heard God is not loving, God is not a loving God because he could never let the, the, the hurt that I'm in or that, that I see in this world ever happen. There's no way that he's a loving God because look around us. Everyone has sex before marriage, and so, uh, you know, it's just everyone does it, so why not, right? You convince yourself of this. We are so engrossed in lust and desire, we want to convince ourselves of that. Because how much better that sounds, we, we want to convince, the, convince ourselves that God isn't a loving God because we feel entitled that he should make my, our lives happy and comfortable and perfect. We feel entitled that God would do that for us, and if he doesn't, he's not a loving God. We convince ourselves of these lies. God's primary responsibility and desire is for me to be happy. Again, we feel, we feel entitled. That's what I deserve. We replace the truth of the gospel, we walk away from it, and we replace it with some false belief because it makes us feel better. And Timothy says you need to preach the word, you need to remind them of the gospel every single week, every single day. Remind them of the gospel. It's important that you remind them of the gospel. That's why we all need to sit here and hear the gospel every single week because we forget the gospel the next day and the day after. We don't believe it. We don't act like it's true in our hearts. If we really do believe the truth of the gospel, that God is an amazing, powerful God, that he's greater than anything else, and we are wretched sinners, we are horrible, we are sinners, we are not great, we are undeserving of absolutely any, where there's nothing that we deserve. You believe that truth, 
If you believe that you can be saved through believing in Jesus Christ, graciously given to us, that you don't deserve a single breath that you breathe, yet he gives it to you, and not only that, but salvation for the rest of your life. If you believe that truth, that, that salvation is given to us graciously, and we don't deserve it because we're sinners, then it wouldn't be a surprise that all the terrible things that happen in our lives, right? Then it's not, I can't believe God would let this happen to me. It's, I, be, I can't believe that God would actually do this for me, something else. It would actually become normal for us to believe that, that God uh, would let something horrible happen to us, right? That would make more sense because we're wretched sinners and we deserve it. But every great thing that happens to us in our life then becomes a blessing, an undeserved blessing. We're, not, we're no longer surprised of the horrible things in our lives, but we're actually surprised by the amazing things that are, happen in our lives. This is the gospel. It changes these lies that we make up in our own lives. You know, preachers, uh, they, need, they need to be able to relate to their audience. They need to know what their audience is going through. The, the congregation members, they need to know their life, and they understand the struggles that they're going through. I want to know what you're going through, what you're going through, what you're going through. I want to know the struggles in your life. I want to understand the things that you're going through, because then I can take these truths, because they truly do transform absolutely anyone's life, and I can apply it to it, and I can say, man, this is what the Word of God wants to say to you. I want, I want to, and so somebody that's preaching the Word needs to understand and to be able to sympathize and relate with somebody that they're speaking to. Sarah and I, whenever, you know, we've been dating for six, seven, six and a half years, something like that. We understand lust. We understand struggling with desires, impure desires, and we get that. How inhuman would it be not to understand that? But how much more so do we need then to regularly hear the gospel of Jesus Christ dying for our sins, giving us life. And so therefore, it is no longer what I want that is most important to me. It is now I want to serve him. I want to sacrifice everything that I have, all these desires, all these lusts, all these passions that I have to be able to indulge in. I want to throw that away because I care more about you, that you would give me everything, that you would give me life. But how easy is it to indulge in that sin, to fall into that lust, to give into that temptation if you don't understand why you wouldn't, why you shouldn't, if you don't understand that God loves you and he expects greater things than that for you, if you don't embrace the gospel, why would you not walk into that? We need to hear the gospel every single week. If you ever want to fight any sin that you're going through right now, if you want to love God with the greatest abilities that you have, if you want to be able to embrace the love that he has for you and to cherish it, you need to every single week be reminded of the gospel because we're so quick to forget it. We're so quick to convince ourselves that we deserve that lust. We deserve that indulging sin. God wouldn't let me go through this. There's no way. I can't believe that he would we convince ourselves when you understand the gospel that he loves us and he gives us everything. 
But if we don't receive God speaking to us through his word, through the preaching every single week, what chance do we have to be able to love him the best we can, embrace the gospel? We need community and we need God's word speaking to us. Paul says, preach, Timothy. With God watching, I charge you, I'm begging you, preach the word to those people. They're confusing themselves with theology and they're convincing themselves of wrong belief. Preach the word to them. They need it. Because they're going to walk away from right belief and they're going to convince themselves of false belief. Preach the word. And so it's my calling to be your pastor, to preach the word to you. But it's not just for me to look good or to feel right about my communication skills. It's because you need the word of God. Saturating yourself every single week. Hearing it. Reminding yourself that you're undeserving, but love nonetheless. That you can never do anything according to your merit to impress God, but he graciously loves you infinitely anyway. You're going through a hard, time, a hard time, hard thing. Yet God has so much greater plans than that one little thing that you're struggling with right now to bless you with. We need the word every single week. Preach to us. Would you guys stand with me? Let me pray. We hope you enjoyed this sermon. If you're not already a part of the ET family, we invite you to join us on Wednesday nights. For more information, visit etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.